Aetherin Dark Saga is a dark fantasy audio drama. It contains themes of violence and is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 1, Part 11 <laughs> I punched him, <laughs> and he went down. <laughs> Felt like a tree had fallen on top of me. Yes, those lads from Welfare certainly are a big lot, aren't they? I haven't seen a small one to this day, and <laughs> I'll tell you he was bigger than most. Lord Draven, we were just talking about the battle at Elrond Bridge, do you remember when we were there? Yes. Yes, I do, Geffing. I remember it well. Staring off into his tankard of ale, Lieutenant Marin remembered the battle for Everan Bridge very well. So well, in fact, he had spent his life since trying to forget it. And though they had both been at command, every man who fought knew neither Geffing nor Lord Draven was at the skirmish that day. A toast! A toast to those who've fallen. May they drink forever in Galil. My lord, one of the outriders has returned. He says an army is on its way here. What? Something else, lord. Just spit it out already. He said it was huge. What is it, Joseph? Speak up. I don't know. He, he, he was babbling about something huge. He looked scared to death. M Marin, uh, tell the men to lock down the gates and uh, put all the archers on the battlements. Well, what are you all gawping at? Get up! Two arms! Lieutenant Merrin ran. His tunic was still stained from that off Geffen spilling ale on him earlier. He felt the dampness cling to him as he tried his best to ignore the slightly drunken haze he'd spent the afternoon in. Tucking in his tunic, in a vain attempt to hide the stain, he ran up the hallway, barking orders at the men he passed as he neared the exit onto the upper ramparts. What a time for this to happen, he thought. Nearly all the commanding officers were drunk or half-cut like himself. Surely this could not be Arteria. This frontier had been silent for so long now, the men were forgetting what Arterian colours even looked like. Ballora, he thought? No. It would have to be a large army to push this far south, and through Venished lands undetected? Not a chance. Arterian raiders, it must be. The realisation then dawned on him. If the encroaching enemy was from Arteria, then war had broken out. 
No raiding party would dare attack a fortress and provoke Kalandor in the process. Surely a mistake, and yet, Joseph said the man was terrified. It was huge, he said. What was huge? A battering ram? Must be. Or some oversized catapult. This was Merrin's first siege, and he thanked Galador for allowing him to be on the side with the advantage. Or so he thought. Lieutenant Merrin, sir, what's going on? You two, open the door and get out here. I want all my men ready to fight. An enemy is encroaching on the fortress as we speak. The guards opened the doors, allowing Merrin, who was still not dressed for battle, out into the upper courtyard of Fort Drayden. The rain bounced off the battlements, and the cold north wind assailed him as he bounded out into the open. His men were gathered round, armed and in full battle dress, awaiting orders. Where is Rigan? Yes, Lieutenant. What are your orders, sir? The time has come to do our duty here in the North Quarter. Enemies are approaching and I want all men capable of firing a bow on those battlements. Is it Arteria, Lieutenant? I don't know. I need a sword and my armor, Rigan. Go below and retrieve it for me. Niall, go with him and bring me the eyeglass. Yes, yes sir. sir. The rest of you, gather pitch and oil. I want those cauldrons bubbling before they get here. Listen out for the horn. We may have to help defend one of the other quarters if they can't handle the fight. Keep your wits about you and do your nation proud. Galador, watch over us all. Merrin ran to the edges of the wall, looking out from the crenellations in the pre-dawn light. A mist clung to the hills beyond, the rolling valley of the Iron Dales the final stretch of land before stepping across the border to Arteria. The rain had begun to ease, not that Merrin noticed. He would be soaked through regardless now. His underclothes were dripping, as was his greying beard and cropped hair. He heard and felt the portcullis slam down and the thick doors close as the reinforced braces were slid into their place. The sound of hooves thundering into the grass drew his attention below. Three riders broke off from the fortress, one whom rode close enough to be recognised. It was Private Pete Marsh, a friend of Merrin's. He headed off in the direction of the nearest fortress at Einworth. Merrin wished the man luck knowing how treacherous the bogland around Einworth could be. Another headed north, up to the garrison at Grenon, though if it was worth the effort he could not say. Grenon was many miles away and it would take over a week to reach the hold. Double that for the men to arrive here. Yet, if they were trapped, a siege can last for many, many days. Those reinforcements might make all the difference. And the final rider rode off to the east, into the heart of the country. The nation's namesake was his destination, the capital city, Kalendor. My lord, I have your things. With help from Rigan, Merrin slipped out of his soaked tunic, putting on a dry gambeson before his heavy chainmail and surcoat. Merrin had just finished off tying his sword belt when he looked up. Out across the iron dales he caught a glimpse of movement within the mist. Merrin stared, yet all he could make out was a mass of forms slowly descending through the hills. They looked to be unordered and wild in their movements. 
nor rank and file as he would have expected from soldiers, especially from the highly disciplined soldiers of Arteria. Sir? Riggan, seeing his lieutenant struggle, handed over the eyeglass. This device could allow a man to see over a long distance. The cylindrical tube was stiffened leather, capped with two pieces of glass. Upon raising it to his eye and closing off the other, as usual, he could not find what he was looking for. A few moments passed before he finally caught sight of them. Ah, here we are, finally. So, let's see what the fuss is about. Instantly, he felt his stomach drop and his muscles tighten. Sir, what is it? Is it Balorans? From what he could see through the slightly blurred lens and the dawn light coming in through it, Merrin could just about make them out now. They numbered in the hundreds. The more he moved the lens in either direction, the more he saw. Cloaked figures, draped in black robes, wicked blades in hand, moved amongst a sea of red dogs. No, not red. They were not red. And they were not dogs, they were men and women without flesh. Moving on all fours, bones and muscle on shore in their grotesque movements. It's not Balorans, Rickon. Merrin looked on, his skin goose pimpled and the hairs on his neck on end. Initially, what he had thought was a huge tree was in fact a leg. And as he followed up the leg, he saw a body. A dark body with four thick arms that rippled with huge corded muscles. Each arm finishing in a wicked claw-like hand. He caught sight of a huge skull-like mask which formed this beast's head. It walked, lurched over, hiding its full height and bulk from the world as it covered ground at an immense pace. This is what had frightened the Outrider. And now, it frightened Lieutenant Merrin as well. Ganador, protect us! Merrin dropped the eyeglass, which shattered as it hit the floor. He stared off into the distance, his mouth wide in shock, his face pale with fear. Riggan, you're in charge here until I return. Uh, yes sir. Without pause, Merrin ran as fast as he could in his battle gear across and over the battlements, down the steps, back into the fortress. He ventured down the hallway, down the five floors of spiralled stairs which led into the main hall. The fortress was deserted inside. All men were at their positions as they should be. All except Lord Draven and his bodyguards. Just as Merrin knew he would be. Marin, you're supposed to be manning the walls. My lord, I've seen the enemy. I, I can't believe what I've seen. It's, it's... A demon? Yes, I know. You know? What would you have us do, my lord? It was then Marin spotted the lord was not in his armor. In fact, he was putting on riding gear. One servant was holding a saddle and the other carrying a small chest. Like I said, Marin, you are supposed to be manning the walls. You're leaving? My lord, are you leaving us? I'm, I'm not leaving. I'm, 
I'm getting word to the king. I must address him in person. No lowly foot soldier will be allowed entrance to the royal palace. You know this well. No. We've sent men. I I saw Pete, Pete Marsh, riding to Einworth, as well as the others. One was heading to Kalendor. Do as I command, Marin. Geffing has command now. Geffing? The man is an idiot, Dravin. You cannot do this. You will address me as Lord, is that understood, boy? Now, go back to your posts, or I'll see you hang. The lieutenant knew exactly what this was. As usual, Dravin was making his escape while men died on the battlefield. Merrin spat his disgust at Dravin as he, accompanied by his two servants and bodyguards, headed out towards the stables at the fort's rear. He would go back to the walls, but not because he was threatened by the likes of him and not because he was a good soldier. He would go back because his men needed him, because they expected it of him just as he expected it from them. And he would die with them here if need be. He would see his duty done for Kalendor. He walked out of the main hall, back into the courtyard at the centre of the keep. He would use the ladders and gangways to speak with the other lieutenants in charge of the quarters here. If Geffing was now in charge, then they had two problems. Whatever those beasts were outside the walls, as well as the idiot leading them inside. At least he could count on the other lieutenants, Brandt and Tamur. They were good men. Lorin was closer, but he was Geffing's man, and a waste of time for sure. He would speak to Brandt first, and inform him of the situation they were all in. Hopefully, before it was too late. Amvidar and Rowan. After finally reaching Kalandor, Amvidar and Rowan have made their way to Vengart, the temple fortress of the Argent Order. Hidden beneath the holy city, this bastion is the base of operations, the training grounds and home to initiates and icons alike. We now join both Amvidar and Rowan inside the main hall. Their story continues. From the very moment he had stepped through the high gothic archway into this hallway, Rowan had felt humbled. In a hall so large and so well adorned in religious iconography, it was impossible for him to feel anything but insignificant. Above them, floating unsupported, a tapestry of golden threads, the detailed depiction of androgynous beauty only a god could possess shining silver plate mail and the golden sword and chalice, blood pouring down upon the land beneath him. There was no doubt this green-eyed being was Galador himself, and Rowan felt the protectorate's gaze upon him as he knelt. He had knelt just as Anvidar had, and just like Anvidar he had been told to rise. Before him a marble-crafted table the colour of summer skies, swirls of pure white amongst pale and dark blue. Seated in three of the five thrones present was Sigulf, 
the icon of knowledge. Draped in purple robes, his long grey beard, plaited in three braids, hung down to his chest. The man twisted one of the braids as he listened intently to Amphidar's words. Garrick, the Order's spymaster and icon of shadows, his stark Baloran features with his tan skin and greying hair looked at Rowan with his icy blue orbs. Between both icons sat the Grand Master, Ulrich, the apex of the Order. This elderly man had the presence expected from one who held such a title. He was greying, but his face was youthful in appearance. His thick locks pulled tight across his scalp, showing deep worry lines in his forehead. His gaze was that of a statue, unmoving and unreadable. His beard hid his mouth entirely as if almost a mask of hair. Rowan could feel yet more judgment coming from those dark brown eyes. He listened patiently as Amvadar had spoken of the events which had transpired before and after their meeting. Now it was the Icon's turn to speak. This is disturbing news, Brother Amvadar, yet not entirely unexpected. We have known of their movements for some time now. My informants have said much of this Valmaris. It seems he is the true architect of this plot. I wish to know why. Why was I charged with watching over an imprisoned archdemon? And I was given no warning. Clearly, as events have proven, myself and a squire were no match for him. Even at the early stages of its release, I had to channel all of my strength just to survive the encounter. Now tell me why, Sigulf. Why was I not told? This has cost the life of my friend and squire, a brother of this order. His ashes lay scattered beneath the Black Fells as we speak, and I Your anger know- clearly betrays your own guilt, Anvadar. As we are all well aware of, it was you who refused the joining. It was you who chose to turn your back on our tradition. It was you who chose to be posted somewhere else. And it was you who has failed in your duty to guard the tomb, failed to protect your squire, and now the people of this city, and perhaps even on itself. You should be stripped of your title and return to the ranks where you came You are the icon of knowledge. And you told me as little as possible before I left. Perhaps this was your plan all along. When did they turn you, brother? Did he promise you the lodestone? Enough of this. It is clear to me we have a turncloak in our midst, but it is not Sigulf Envidar. I will not tolerate this kind of behavior from my icons. Is that understood? Yes, of course. If we turn on each other, then we have given the enemy another advantage. We must be as one. Unity is our greatest strength. Now, whether the necromancer broke the wards or not, the information on how to do it has come from our libraries. Only a few have access to such information, and they are in your service, Sigulf. It is upon you to root out the betrayer. Garrick, 
Yes, my grandmaster. Have one of your men contact Kriya. Inform the Icon of Magic she is to return immediately. As you command, Grandmaster. Once Kriya is with us, we can formulate a course of action. For now, we will lock down the vaults and double the guards. Sigulf, we will require more wards. As you command, Grandmaster. This brings me to you, Rowan Atlatha. Why did you come here? Grandmaster, I already... He can answer for himself. Well? But it's like Anvidar said. I want vengeance for my brother, Aldwin. Revenge is a powerful motivator. Some men have changed the very world we live in chasing after it. But after that, after you've avenged your brother, Rowan, what then? I guess I, uh, I guess I hadn't really thought about it. Vengeance is a straight path. No crossroads. No choices but the ones we make to reach our destination. Single-minded thinking. And single-minded thinking can get those around you killed. Or worse. What would you be willing to do to have your vengeance, Rowan? I... I just... I just want to... I see what you're hiding, Rowan. My lord, I... I... We are the same, you and I. Your ancestor, Inerian. It seems you not only share his blood, but also the gift and the curse which accompanies it. I don't, I don't understand. Of course you do, Rowan. You know exactly. Tell me, how many times has a stranger, a friend, a brother, how many times have they spoken lies to you and as much as you want to believe them, you know the real truth. How many times has your intuition been so correct that it has scared you? Or made your world seem unreal? Tell me, Rowan, how often do they call to you? Rowan stared at the man. This Grand Master, a man whom he had never laid eyes on before this day, and yet, he felt it. No, he was certain. Ulrich had peered into his very being. It was when I was younger, ten winters maybe. I remember waking up and I was, I'd been sweating so much I was soaked through. I walked over to the fire, staring off into the flames trying to dry myself off, and then I was suddenly cold. Freezing, in fact. I, I felt something. That feeling you get when you're being watched or you know someone's behind you. I turned around and standing right there, right in front of my face was Aldwin. His eyes rolled back in his head and he was unmoving like a rock. I went to grab hold of him and, and when I touched him, the voices, they called out my name. If it wasn't for the hounds barking, snapping me out of it, I think I'd have answered them back. When you heard the voices, what did you see? Nothing. I, I mean, what I saw, it was, it was like a hole. It was empty, but full 
I, I can't explain it. That ruin is the abyssal stream. It is the dark heart of Nezrakar itself. Why have you not spoken of this ruin? Anvanar, you never asked. And I didn't say because, well, I was worried you think I was like, I was worried you think I was like Alduin. Rowan, you have a rare gift. In fact, you have two rare gifts. Not only are you a psyker, but you are also the blood of Anirian. If you truly wish to avenge your brother, then you must join us. With us, you will learn to unlock and control your ability, and given time, you will be able to destroy the Lodestone itself, the very key your ancestor created, the sole reason your brother was chosen as Astaroth's vessel. If we can do that, then we will have removed the enemy's greatest threat. We would welcome you amongst us, Rowan, but you must make the decision yourself. I'll do whatever it takes to see that those bastards who hurt Alduin are punished for what they've done. If you do indeed join us, Rowan, there is no turning back. You will serve until your last days. I know that, Envidar. Even once you have your vengeance, there is still much to be done. Our duty does not end with this threat. You can do no better than helping us eradicate the spread of this vile religion. Join the fight against these demonic entities and help us cut out the rot which is infecting our world with this cult of evil destruction. For surely in doing that, your brother will be avenged and you will have made use of the gifts you have been given. I believe, no, I know, Galador himself has sent you to us, even if you hold the light of Lunarin dear to your heart. He guides you in this Rowan. Heed his call. Rowan looked to Anvadar, who in turn looked back at him. He saw the pain in the Icon of War's eyes and felt the agony the man had endured. And it scared him. Terrified him, in fact. Anvadar had spoken of his squire's fate. He had spoken of the dangers faced daily by the Order. Spoken of the horrors they must endure. And yet... Deep inside of him, something longed for it, and that worried him most of all. I cannot renounce Lunar, the goddess. You will not speak that name here, Hedon. Silence, Sigulf. Although you cannot practice your faith here, if you hold true to the tenets of Galador, and by doing that, not blaspheme his name, and do your duty to the Order, that is enough for me. With this, Sigil's face twisted in contempt. He stared at Rowan with disgust. Will it be possible for me to send word to my parents back in Gilglass? They should know of Aldwin's fate as well as mine own. You can do that, and you can also visit them once we are done with your training. Well then, I accept your offer. That is good. Welcome, Rowan. You will speak your vows on the morrow. For tonight, you can rest up. Samir! Yes, Grandmaster. Show Rowan to a holding and arrange some new garb. Give him wine and a good meal. As you say, Grandmaster. 
We will receive you at dawn, Rowan at Laffa. Rest well. As for you, Anvadar, we will need you at full strength in the coming days. I know your distaste for it, but your failure in this matter has made my decision for me. Therefore, once Kriya has returned to us, she and Sigulf will perform the ritual of joining. Failure to attend. Well, I need not say I am sure. I am sorry, my old friend, but our humanity, it seems, is not enough. May I be granted a request, Grandmaster? You may ask. Whether I grant it or not, we shall see. I wish to be the one to train Rowan, not Kriya. He has skill in arms and- You know not the ways of the Psyker, Icon of War. I shall be his teacher in this. But he shall be your squire, providing he excels in arms training. We shall return on the morrow. You are all dismissed. That was Chapter 1, Part 11 of Aether and Dark Saga. You can support the podcast by leaving a rating or review on iTunes, Podchaser, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please join me on Twitter at Aether and Podcast, all one word, for the latest news and updates on content. A Patreon is coming with exclusive content in the form of Tales from the Scrolls, Ancient Law of Aether. Part 1 can be found in your feed. All music in this episode was created by Kevin McLeod. You can find Kevin's amazing work at incompetech.com. Kevin also has a Patreon, and there will be links to support him there in the show notes. Some sounds were taken from freesound.org. All music is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0. Thanks for listening.